Welcome back to My Association. I'm Marisa Janaku. Uh, Emma Hooper is somewhere up in the slope skiing and bringing out her Princess Diana inner uh, feeling. Uh, so for this episode, I've actually asked uh, uh, Neil Chambra uh, Stevens to join. He is owner of Mercury Jam Coaching that's focusing on well-being and productivity at work. Uh, Neil draws on over nearly 30 years of C-level marketing experience with Fortune 500 brands such as Levi's, Converse, Lenovo, Vans, and Polaroid. Uh, he believes good business is achieved through kindness, gratitude, moment momentum, and resilience. He works with creative, creative strategists and marketeers, intentionally working with the mid-level and rising talent in brand agencies, enabling them to be seen, heard, and valued. And I know Neil, I got introduced to Neil through my brother-in-law, uh, James, that is the husband of Sandra, who doesn't want me to talk about Elon Musk all the time on these podcasts. Uh, through him, I was introduced to Neil. Um, Neil, uh, welcome. Thank you, Maurice. It's, uh, it's great to be here. Um, I've, I have visions. Uh, I don't know Emma, but I'm just channeling her in a Princess Diana. That's that's. That seems quite a topical thing, right? That, that, that she is, she is very much a fan of Princess Diana. And what I figured out uh, to all our listeners uh, last week is uh, she uh, decided to get nipple piercings. She told us all last week, so it must be very cold right now out there on the slopes with those piercings. I presume it's something I'm that she told herself. I'm assuming that's a personal choice and an, an as yet <laughs> undisclosed secret that Princess Diana had pierced nipples. I have no clue if Princess Diana had it, but, 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 but Emma told us this last week that that was a New Year's resolution for her and she did it. So, so it's not, it's, 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 it's known to everyone else, but, um, but Neil, um, before we go into who you are and we go into, uh, coaching and, 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 and kind of, uh, what you do and, and kind of, uh, how you got to that through your career. Um, I'd like to know if there's any topical news actually uh, this week that uh, that kind of had sparked your interest. Yes, uh, it, was, it was the sort of the the sad but um, uh, timely topic of uh, the New Zealand Prime Minister um, Jacinda Ardern resigning, mm -hmm. and uh, I think what sparked an interest uh, for me or was what resonated with me was um, what an inspirational leader uh, she has been for the past, whatever it is, five or six years. And in particular, I'm drawn to her, um, her, her, her leadership style where she leads with kindness and empathy, but strength as well. Mm -hmm. And I think I've seen a lot of discussion today um, on social about, about those qualities. And, uh, I, I think it's really, it's really powerful. I think she's somebody that has gone through a lot of firsts in terms of, you know, at the time she was the youngest prime minister, um, in New Zealand, um, you know, one of a handful of female leaders in the world. Um, you know, I think the second, a woman to kind of uh, give birth in office. Um, and I believe she brought her, her baby to the United Nations as well. So yeah, yeah. someone who's brought a real level of um, 
humanity, you know, as a as a, a real human. And I think that she's led with real compassion and in particular kindness. And I think those are some of the qualities that have really resonated uh, with me uh, over the last few years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I also read it. And, and for me, what stood out was also the whole uh, kind of the whole conversation or, or the feeling of actually someone stepping down and being open about because I was reading through the articles and her saying, you know what, I don't have the energy anymore. I need to give it to someone else. Um, and, 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 and what I'm afraid of, but I hope we've, we, as a, we as a society have moved on from that. And that's kind of the whole issue around. Um, I remember a news reporter asking her when she was talking with, I think it's the Finnish or the Swedish prime minister saying something around, oh, are you guys now, fr-? like it was, it was basically saying, because you're women, blah, 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 blah. I'm hoping that this is not again where people go, oh, you see men can da, 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 da. But I think it actually shows that there are a lot of male leaders out there that should have quit before their time. And, 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 you know, and, and, and it's showing that, you know, being open and honest and, 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 and is, is also being a, being a form of being a leader is also being, being open, honest, and being aware of where you are in your, in your, career as prime minister, but also within the whole setting. And I think that that is, for me, what was powerful today of reading that is that she's aware of where she is now and what she can give. And she knows someone else can probably give a lot more at this moment than she can give. And a lot of leaders and people in leadership positions, I believe, uh, fool themselves to think that they can still do it when they have to maybe move aside and give someone else the limelight, let's say. Yeah, no, I think I think just to build on that, that it wasn't evident to me. I mean, I read the article sort of first thing this morning, um, European time, and obviously being in New Zealand, the, the story had broken earlier. Um, and it wasn't clear to me that one of the contributing factors was the was uh, was burnout. Mm-hmm. And um, I just, you know, I took it on face value that where she's saying, I am human, politicians are human, and I've got nothing left in the tank. Um, as the day kind of wore on, it was it was more explicit what she was referring to with that. Yeah. And I hope that, um, you know, there's, I, I think the stigma around burnout um, has um, lessened over, over time. Um, I do think that even calling it burnout is um, is a softening mm-hmm. of the word um, because it is uh, it's it's it manifests itself in many ways, but it is it is it's mental illness and it is depression and yeah. it is depression is debilitating and we've sort of uh, uh, um, burnout is the acceptable descriptor that um, we've all got very comfortable with. And if that's what it takes to normalize it, then great. But it is actually, we are talking about, you know, the deeper issue of depression and mental health. And the fact that uh, uh, a leader, a national leader who has global recognition is human enough and honest and open enough to actually um, admit to how they're feeling, I think is incredibly admirable for her. And yes, there are many situations where people get protected or, uh, uh, you know, um, 
their time, you know, they, 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 they continue when maybe they shouldn't. And there's, you know, several high profile notable examples where they, they shouldn't do that. And I think versus the, you know, the, the politicizing it, uh, uh, I hope it doesn't come down to that because I, I think it's, it's about humanity and I hope that it doesn't degenerate into a, a conversation regarding, you know, leadership and gender. I think it's, it should be human leadership. More exactly. Exactly. I, I, uh, yeah. I hope it won't, but you always know that there are a few out there that can't, you know, let go of <laughs> their I mean, their, yeah, their ways, but um, I, I, yeah, I think that, um, you know, there are still uh, many corporations which are based on that sort of post Second World War 50s um, patriarchal organization. Um, and so it's inevitable that, you know, there will be those trolls and doubters coming out mm -hmm. of the woodwork um quite visibly quite vocally um but hopefully we've we've moved on enough and the pandemic has um has provided sufficient learnings collectively right. that we can actually uh move forward and and, and be more open about it because it affects everybody you yeah, know yeah. it's like one in four people will will have uh been impacted by mental health issues and let's yeah. call it what it is let's not call it burnout no. mental health issues in their lifetimes, you know, no, it was it was um, I think it was this week or last week. There was also a piece on the Dutch news and we're both based in Holland, actually, um, where they actually mentioned that this is the first time that there were I think it was four or five. There were uh, like a large number of um, of uh, politicians in our in our uh, 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 in our House of Commons, Tweede Kamer here or whatever, mm -hmm. um, that uh, that actually are home with with a, what they what we call the burnout right right so and they were talking about what was the reasoning and and part of it was also the uh, polarization was one of it because also the polarization of politics right we mm. can we can argue it but i think every country politics are getting polarized it's it's us against them right there is no middle yeah. ground anymore even in Holland, that is known to be middle ground, <laughs> but it is very harsh how they communicate to each other. So yeah, you know, it's such such much more and harder. It takes so much out of someone to just have a discussion within politics in Holland than it used to be much more of that, what you know, the Dutch call the polder model. We'll find the way that we all agree. That's kind of being lost. And also, you know, the fact that social media, and you're hearing a lot more about how people think about you and coming at you you know, with things that you otherwise would never say someone in their face. So that these politicians are really suffering and I can un fully understand that that's happening, you know? Yeah, I'm sure they don't get training in how to ignore uh, um, jibes on, on social media. I mean, I think it's it's unfortunate for the those individuals concerned. But again, I think that breaking down the stigma around it is mm -hmm. a key thing. Um you know, one in six people in the Netherlands are out on burnout right now. Seventeen percent of the working population are out yeah. on burnout, wow. um, and that's rising post-pandemic. That's not even post-pandemic. And I think what's interesting is that the impact that that has on the economy—it um, costs the Dutch economy nine billion euros a year. Burnout costs nine billion euros a year, mm -hmm. and you think what you would, what you could do with that money? 
Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, it's something that I'm particularly interested in. I come from, you know, I referenced uh, Jacinda Ardern in terms of her focus on kindness. I, I lead with kindness, but sometimes you need to bring in the economic realities, the impact of what happens in toxic workplaces, be it the office, be it, you know, the House of Commons, House of Representatives here or any political forum. Um, we're human. It's going to take a toll at some point. And, um, it, it, it's a devastating, um, situation to go through. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I I don't admitting like 25 years ago, I I had a burnout in -hmm. London when I was working there and it was really sort of swept under the carpet uh, at work and, and how to deal with it and all the rest of it. But yeah. You know, it's it's something that it is incredibly debilitating mm-hmm. and has always been around. You know, it's not just something that's popped up during the pandemic. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm an advocate for for uh, speaking out and trying to understand one another and trying to not normalize it because it's a it's a it's it is a devastating condition. It's a chemical imbalance in your body that's ha- that's happening. Um, but to, to create greater awareness and and understanding of it, to help, to, you know, practice self-care, to avoid these things, or to, if people do slip down that, that slope, you know, what you can do as as a, as a friend, as a family member, as a neighbor, as a coworker, whatever, just to, to, just to help them. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. Um, Maybe when we talk about, you know, coaching creative leaders and, and, and kind of uh, observational there, we can maybe go more in depth. But I think I'd like to kind of focus back on yourself so that, so that our listeners get a bit more of an understanding who you are and, and what you've done. I think what would be interesting to understand is uh, kind of uh, I listed a few companies you worked at. So it'd be great to understand kind of what those uh, how, how that career path was for you and, and, and how you ended up coaching i think that many people will say wow that's a total 180 possibly it could be an extension of what you did uh, but i'll be interested to know kind of what you um like you said you're in you're you're in the uk and and what you did and i believe you're in advertising right and and kind of what uh, what that career path looked like and how you made it to uh, it's it's like like most people it's uh it's not been a straight line it's been more of a wiggly curve i think or w- mm-hmm. wiggly path um, but yeah, I'm originally from the UK and, um, I've been fortunate enough to, to work for some amazing brands, you know, Fortune 500 brands, like, like you say, just Levi's, Converse, Vans, Lenovo, Polaroid. And, um, that has enabled me to, you know, to live and work in, in a number of different countries and cultures. So, um, back here in the Netherlands again. I've lived in Amsterdam twice, lived in the US, um, uh, was living in Italy, but working in Switzerland, which is not as glamorous as it sounds if you've ever done a, <laughs> an early morning commute, stuck behind uh, an oil tanker driving through the Swiss mountains. It's not the opening scene of the Italian job, trust me. It's nothing like that. It's cold and dark and rainy. <laughs> you weren't but, doing. Um, you weren't pulling a James Bond on on a snowmobile over the mountains. No, no, I was stuck <laughs> in traffic for most of that, trying to cross the border. 
but um, it sounds good anyway. And uh, yeah, so I was I was working for those brands in the brand and marketing department. And, you know, a lot of those brands are rooted in creativity. They're rooted in self-expression. Um, my background is actually in, in art and design. So it, it was a really good fit for me. And, um, you know, these are, these are well-known brands and well-loved brands. And there was also fascinating to see how those brands connected with people, connected with their, with their consumers. Um, but after a while, I really sort of got interested in the organization and the structure of companies and, and how teams work and how you can put, you know, disparate individuals together to create a team and create a dynamic. And so around about 2019, um, I'd left Polaroid and I was trying to figure out what's next for me and what I wanted to do. And um, I had a series of sort of revelations and, and, and aha moments. Um, and I, I think that I was looking for my why. I was sort of searching for what I wanted to do next. And, you know, they say there are sort of four major stress triggers in life, which is losing a job, bereavement, marriage or divorce, and moving house. And I somehow managed to do all four of those in the space. Oh, wow. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing now. In the space of about six to 12 months in the middle of the pandemic. Wow. And what that experience taught me was um, the importance of kindness. I mean, you can obviously see why I referenced the, uh, mm -hmm. the, the earlier story today um, from today. So there's kindness, gratitude, resilience, and momentum. And those were sort of a lot of the experiences that, uh, or qualities that I kind of gained from that time. And, and I realized that um, sometimes everything has to completely fall apart and completely unravel to understand where you're truly meant to be. And one of the real tipping points was uh, with the bereavement, it was actually my, my father who had passed away and at his thanksgiving at his memorial there was a lot of people who'd attended the service and he'd worked in london he'd worked in the city um in the sort of in the 60s and 70s and you know it's quite a uh, um you know a tough place to be um but these people showed up and they're at the, at the thanksgiving they're saying your father always came to work with joy mm. he always was interested in other people we knew what his values were. We knew what he was, what 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 was important to him, despite the job that he was doing or or whatever. And that was sort of clicked with me. And I'm like, ah, bringing you know, getting getting people to come to work with joy. Yeah. And then when I sort of looked at what I had been doing with these brands, and it was it was sort of you know different places, different parts of the world, but the unifying thing was people. And inspiring people and, and helping people and that's when i had my aha moment that I, I like i want to i want to coach people i want to help them and um i really wanted to enable people to be seen and heard and valued mm -hmm. and by that it was a specific group of people and it was the middle part of organizations so not the execs, not the senior leadership, but the people, dare I say, who actually do the work, the bits, the people in the middle. Mm -hmm. And 
because I wanted to encourage and inspire that next generation of leadership, those people who I wanted to help people to become leaders that people actually wanted to follow. Mm-hmm. And so I started my journey and I started Mercury Jam Coaching. And from the experience that I had, I figured that I really wanted to help creatives, strategists and marketers. So the people that I I had uh, or the industry that I'd sort of grown up in um, or worked in. And you mentioned um, your brother-in-law, James. I actually sat next to James in an ad agency about 20 years ago, which is how we knew each other and it's bizarrely how we've come to be talking on this on your podcast today Maurice but um, because I felt that you know there was an opportunity there was a lot of change happening in the world with the pandemic and that particular group of individuals weren't being seen and weren't being heard and weren't being valued so that was why that was my why I've wanted to to, to start Mercury Jam Coaching yeah. and why I wanted to work specifically with that that group of people. Yeah. Before we go into the coaching bit, I think I have a question more around because you're saying that, you know, that specific group was not being heard and, and, and so on. It is, do you see that that's always been the case throughout the past century or, you know, your, your working career or the past, you know, so many years, or has there been a shift in how uh, companies value uh, uh, creative or, or the creative process or the way the branding process, are you seeing a shift with, 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 with companies, how the value they take of that or how they go about that? I th- I th- I'd answer that in two parts. I think the first is from an organizational point of view that, when companies go through kind of tough times, um, that it is the the middle area that gets hit first. Mm-hmm. So you quite often get left with the very senior people and the very junior people. And it's the middle part of the company that usually gets impacted. It's, it's something that I've, I've seen that in some of the big companies and organizations that I've, that I've worked in. And, Whilst you might think, well, you know, senior leadership, they have the knowledge, they have the experience. It's actually the middle people who've maybe grown up mm-hmm. or, or, or developed through the, um, through the business. You've grown up together with people. You've made those connections. You've worked in different teams. There's a, a sense of bond and community. There is also a knowledge of the culture of how a company works that if you strip out that middle layer, and in some cases, there's been some quite drastic uh, layoffs and things. You're left with a big gap, literally a big gap between senior leadership and junior leadership. And the senior leadership don't have the time to manage uh, 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 or work with those very junior people. Or the knowledge. So, or the knowledge either. <laughs> either. And the, and the focus as well, because I think yeah. the focus has been on uh you know on on revenue and shareholder value and and kind of all that good stuff so their priorities are different Mm -hmm. and then the second part i would say is in terms of the creativity it is getting better i think that people are are wising up to if you look at you know everybody's sort of favorite three brands that we always reference as marketeers whether it's apple nike and starbucks you know they have that triangle where they talk about innovation they talk about products and they talk about demand creation and you know i think it was uh, when mark parker a former nike designer became the ceo of 
of Nike all those years ago, it was sort of it validated the that creativity and design should have a place in the boardroom, yeah, and should have a seat at the table, mm-hmm. um, because what people want and in terms of products and, and innovation comes from those comes from that creativity comes from those design teams with all due respect it doesn't come from supply chain it doesn't come from sales those two teams play a critical part in it but it has to be like what's something new what's something different yeah and so the value that companies have placed on creativity i've seen an increase in that i think that this is probably a whole other different conversation and and (laughs) maybe in a completely different episode but when companies are being, you know, the greenwashing that companies do, like, oh, we're sustainable, we have yeah. this much, you know, uh, uh, cotton in our products, or it's all organic. That side of things is really being, you know, paying lip service, I think, to a lot of those environmental and social issues. And I think, again, there's a frustration with designers and creatives who usually are the more kind of progressive thinkers in a company yeah, that. Yeah companies are saying one thing but they're not doing the other we've seen multiple examples over the last two or three years mm-hmm. of want people wanting brands and companies to take action and they're not maybe for one day you know everyone switches out their instagram puts up a black square but you know it's not a consistent uh, approach uh, and they don't encourage that innovation and and that um, creativity to flourish and they don't invest in it either mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, like you said, it's a totally, like my mind's going <laughs> 130 kilometers there. I'm going to ask, you know, I was thinking, oh, I should ask them about, you know, loyalty and how, how it's being said that nowadays, you know, people aren't loyal to a brand. But like you said, that's a totally different. <laughs> what, what, I, what I would say, just uh, super quick on that, I think that's one of the reasons why you've seen the rise of activism, either with a small A or a large A, is... Mm-hmm. It used to be that brands um, led the way yeah. and, you know, uh, people would say, oh, they are doing this or they are doing that. And now brands and, and companies just moved so slowly. Mm-hmm. That's why you see the rise in, in personal activism. And that's why the loyalty, uh, the factor that you just touched on, people aren't as loyal anymore because they're frustrated. They can't be bothered to wait. And they will move to a brand, be it a smaller brand or one that aligns more to their values. Yeah. Because they're actually doing something. And one that you know, speaks they're taking to, action. Yeah. And one that speaks to them, because I think that that's also part of the piece is also values, we, sh- we shouldn't forget for sure. that loyalty is not only about the price of something, but also just, you know, are that's they, true. Are they, that's true. That's a fair point. You know, the yeah. values, are they speaking to me? Do I feel connected to them? Do I want to be their brand ambassador? You know, I think that that's really uh, a big thing that uh, a lot of, bigger brands are forgetting about but like you said the the three big brands like a nike and an apple they're good at that right that's apple has the apple is an example of that you know i mean is it really a superior product or is there just loyalty because it's a certain lifestyle or a certain position they emulate that we all would want to be part of of, of a community in that in that way you know but that's a yeah, bigger I mean, discussion. Not, but it gets into not, a different podcast. <laughs> not to not to burst the bubble, uh, but you know, having worked for Lenovo, which is is was the the biggest PC brand in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the speeds and feeds, because we all love speeds and feeds, 
um, the actual capabilities of a lot of their devices was far superior. You know, Samsung yeah. being Android, exactly. far superior. Mm-hmm. But it's in terms of when you when you're on a plane, you could see it. It was a, it, someone. There was a it was an ad waiting to happen, like a bunch of people on a plane. Maybe they did it. A bunch of people on a plane opening their laptops. Which one's going to kick start first? Is it going to be the Apple or is it going to be the PC? <laughs> we all know the answer to that because yeah, exactly. it was never the yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. So pros and cons. But again, it was a pricing strategy. They went, we'll take the market a thousand dollars and above. Yep. That's Apple. The rest don't care. Exactly, and they've and, done a great um, and they've done a great job at it, focusing on design. I mean, that's the thing as well, right? One hundred percent, all about design. All yeah. about design. That's it. So they capture a certain yeah. market there. Um, <laughs> um, so about the coaching, um, you know, you say you you want to coach, uh, uh, you know, mid level creatives, and I mean, are there certain observations, you know? We have listeners who who are probably within the creative community who are also possibly struggling and looking for coaching. Are there certain observations where that you that you've noticed uh, that has been a that has come forward a lot with these individuals and that you've talked to as as a whole that you say you know I'm seeing this happening when I coach and 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 possibly what 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 would you what would you, I'm not, I'm, let, let's give a free coaching uh, session to the listeners, <laughs> but kind of, you know, what, would, mind. What, what would your, what would your, uh, what would your, what would, what would you say about those observations and, and, and what you're seeing? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to kind of spread the love and give out some, some, some free, <laughs> uh, free karma or whatever. But I, I think that, I mean, some of the observations I've had that I, I'm based in the Netherlands, um, but I work with clients here, um, most European countries, the UK, uh, the US as well. And there's a lot of, the, the thing is, everybody's situation is slightly unique, but there's some, there's some themes that are, that are coming through. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from the, um, I think there's a desire for, uh, uh, companies to um, work at a, at, at a fast pace to put out products to to increase services, and as a consequence, um, designers, strategists, marketers, creatives aren't always given sufficient time to actually think and create, mm-hmm. and that has. Um, uh, created a lot of dissatisfaction within the creative industry mm-hmm. that they're sort of they're churning things out and there's 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 a few advocates out there who are really you know uh, uh, speaking to well-crafted briefs from a strategy point of view you know good insights that kind of thing but there is a tendency to feel a little bit like we're all on a hamster uh, uh, hamster wheel yeah a hamster wheel and it's we're just going through the motion and the output. There's nothing different. There's nothing changing. Mm-hmm. And it's it's slight is again it's slightly at odds with what um, the people who are buying the products and services actually actually want or actually need. So one theme I think is a little sort of dissatisfaction. The other is how to create their own voice. How to actually identify their values, what's important to them, their personal narrative, 
um, that enables them to give them the confidence to to grow and thrive in these in these environments. So I think that's definitely one of the themes that that I see in the area that I try and work in is is to um, really inspire people to figure out what's important to them uh, yeah. in their life and um, also to try and a lot of people really identify with their title, their role. And I always try and encourage people to kind of take a step back that, you know, we weren't just born to work. You know, we were there to, we're there to grow and to thrive as humans. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people attach um, uh, uh, an exaggerated level of, uh, of uh, responsibility or association to a specific title, a specific status. And where would you say that? Why? Why is that? Is that is that just the 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 environment we're we're in now? Or I, I think well, I think it's improving a little bit, but I think it's it's social, it's cultural. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 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 that recognition. Um, and you know yes responsibility titles there are obviously you know different levels are compensated Mm -hmm. uh, in a different way but um you know i i try and encourage people to just think about the work that they do the input the contribution that they make regardless of what their what their title is because i think um there's a lot of people who are sort of moving away from that. They were trying not to identify with whether it's a junior, mid, senior, you know, vice president, whatever. Um, and to actually just try and enjoy their time at work, going back to, you know, my dad and people coming to work with joy to really get that sense of fulfillment. Because, you know, we spend 90,000 hours of our lives at work. 90,000 hours, right? The only thing that we do more in our lives is sleep. How do we want to work? How do we want to fulfill those 90,000 hours? You know, because um, the, 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 the era of, era of uh, you know, having one, working for one company, one job throughout your entire career, it's long gone. You know, the yeah. Monday to Friday, nine to five, that's dead, that's gone. So we can kind of pick and choose. We can carve out how we want to spend those 90,000 hours. And that's what I really try and encourage people to look at. And I think, you know, with the pandemic, everyone taking a bit of a backseat, really reevaluating their relationship with work. Um, I spend a lot of time with that in terms of helping people, yeah, really identify with their values and what's important to them. You know, I think that's that's another one of the kind of the, the big themes that I really focus on. Mm-hmm. And would you say that also when they say what's important to them, sometimes people believe it's financial, but it actually is something else when they when they think deeper about it, or is it different to just per person? I I think you know we 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 need money to survive. Let's face it. There's, there are individuals who you know are. Um, live a very simple life but for the majority of people you know in a in sort of capitalist societies you need money you need money to buy stuff and i think if 
what I try and encourage people to do is to just try and be open and honest with their relationship with money mm-hmm. because quite often it is a source of limiting beliefs for a lot of people. I can't do that because, and they might have responsibilities to families, to partners, to themselves, um, you know, rent, mortgage, food, whatever it might be. And just try and take a step back from that. And there are some people who go, I do this job a hundred percent for the money. And you go, okay, great. I really respect your honesty. But then there are a lot of people who kind of go, you know, they're not so open. They're not so transparent. And it's starting to unpick and unravel that relationship with money um, because it does hold a lot of people back. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, I encourage people to step out of their existing roles and maybe look to start something new because it's going to empower them. It's going to give them an opportunity to create a role, a company, a way of living that's, you know, unique for them. And there are ways and means of funding that, you know, and yeah. I think that um, the entrepreneurial journey is, is you know, it's, it's not for everybody. Um, some people do need that financial security and that's okay. Yeah. But, um, you know, trying to, trying to work with people on their limiting beliefs is something that I always do. And, and money comes up a lot and it's natural that it comes up a lot. It should, you know, it's a part of everyday life. <laughs> we all, we all need that to, uh, to exist to a certain extent, but yeah. 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 Um, you said in the beginning of the, of the discussion, uh, you were open about the fact that, 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 that you had a burnout in when you're, when, when, like, I don't know how many years ago when you were in London, what would you, now that you're coaching, what would you, what would you tell yourself back then when you're going through that? What would have been, what would have been, and if it's too personal, you can, you, you can say you don't want to go into that, but I'm curious, like, what would you, what's the discussion you'd have with yourself? Your, how many years ago was it? Oh, uh, at least 25 years ago. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, um, the, the, then, then we'll put you at, so we'll say your 15, your 15 year old self back then. We'll keep, put you back younger. <laughs> <laughs> what, you flatter me. <laughs> <I wish. laughs> what would you, what, what would you tell yourself uh, or, or what's the conversation you'd have with yourself? Well, firstly, I mean, you asked, you asked the question if that's, you know, too personal, what about, I think it's important to to be open and, and to kind of to, to share these things. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that at the time, and I've, I've, I've written about this, I've posted about this before, that um, a lot of my, what I'd call success, personal success in terms of life, whether it's in relationships or travel, um, career opportunities has come after that burnout. Hmm. And I think that I'm very aware that, you know, sometimes you need the, this might sound too profound, sometimes you need the darkness to see the light, right? Mm -hmm. You know, night follows day, day follows night. Mm -hmm. And it is part of that sort of cycle of life that life sometimes is really hard. Mm -hmm. It is difficult for a lot of people. Um, it's not an experience that I want to go back through again. 
And so what I would, well, what I tell myself now, but what I tell my 15-year-old self <laughs> to continue that thing is, um, is really the importance of, of self-care and listening to yourself, making sure that there's some really simple stuff like movement, making sure you get enough movement, not even exercise. I'm not saying, you know, become some gym bunny and work out five days a week or whatever, but just move mm -hmm. the, the need to move your body. Hydration, making sure you're drinking enough water um, and, and sleep as well. You know, and I think that making sure that you have those two or three elements every day in your day and don't compromise those is really important um and again depending on your taste depending on what your body needs you know diet plays a big part in that and yeah. it's not for me to say how what you should or shouldn't eat you know everyone knows their own you know palate and metabolism but i do think that um that combination i mean i i wake up in the morning and the first thing i do is i got this in the us so how big is that sorry i'm just looking at my bottle now <laughs> i drink 24 ounces of water first thing in the morning as soon as i wake up okay it used to be that i would you know pound i don't know how many espressos or whatever i drink a whole bottle of water first literally before i get out of bed and that kickstarts my system hmm. and i do that on a regular basis now okay um, because it's 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 better than caffeine. Now I still drink a lot of coffee later <laughs> in the day, but that's how I start my day. So yeah. I would say self-care is one thing. Giving yourself a voice, uh, allowing yourself to, to say no to things, creating those boundaries as well, mm -hmm. particularly at work, particularly as you are, you know, developing your leadership style is also really important to, to kind of to come back to some of the coaching elements because you know it, it's it's all too easy just to kind of take on the burden take on the load um so i would say just being being honest with yourself in terms of you don't always have to say yes to everything and, and saying you know no is an answer too mm -hmm. you know I, I will say a no answer is better than no answer yeah, in yeah, terms yeah. of actually um, creating those boundaries, and it's hard for for in some organisations, but those are some of the things that I encourage people to do. I'm just thinking um, that's probably advice you you should have told Elon when he was deciding to buy Twitter that he should say no sometimes. <laughs> like, I mean, so I, he, I, I, I know your wife or, or no, James's wife. I don't know your wife, but I'm like, in terms of, are we going to talk about, I know Sandra, so are we going to talk about Elon? I mean, I have some very strong opinions about Mr. Musk. Well, we, just think well, we that, talk about him. We almost talk about him. He comes up in almost every episode of by association because he's just the, he's just the giver of, 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 of discussion. So, I mean, you're more than welcome to share your strong opinions about him because <laughs> You know, it's it, it seems to be a, a, a running uh, a discussion point. He's the antithesis the of kindness. He's he's the, he's the epitome of a toxic leader. There, mm -hmm. I said it. It's just yeah. at a time when everybody is talking to their employees, asking them what they need. It's not in a sort of you know softly, softly back rubs and kumbaya kind of way, 
but the fact that he wouldn't even you know he he was forcing people back into the office um and not even giving an option and if you didn't like it you know there were other opportunities elsewhere yeah that didn't that that didn't jive with my values at all mm-hmm. um and um yeah I think I, I agree. He should have said no. To, I mean, the, has it, does he still own it? Yeah, lost, no, no, no. He still owns it. I've lost no, no, uh, no. track of that little soap opera. Like, no, no. He's should I stand down? <laughs> what, what was that poll that he did? Should I stand down? And everyone's like, yeah, you should. And he was yeah. like, well, I'll see. You know, <laughs> no, no, no. He still owns it, but 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 it, it's 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 it's. When we talked, to, we talked. To, me and Emma talked about it last week that, of course, you know the. He's now in the Guinness Book World. He's in the Guinness Book World, uh, uh, Guinness Book Records as as the one who's lost the most money ever in history in a year. <laughs> so he's, I don't know how much billion it was, but you know. And and is and is uh, is Jeff Bezos going to buy a, a gold copy of the Guinness Book of Records and put it outside <laughs> his house in retaliation for whatever I, it was the number the number two that he put outside Jeff's house? Probably, probably. To, honestly, those honestly, yeah. Let's not go there. Oh Dear with me. man, oh sorry about sorry about sorry about going down <laughs> that path. But I had I had to ask. I had to ask. I had to ask. Sorry. It is the gift that keeps on giving, even if we don't want to. Um, yeah, I think he's a very uh, yeah. Yeah. Strange character. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, <laughs> not very kind. No, true, true. One of my last <laughs> questions, and I think you touched upon it here, there was, you know, you brought about the pandemic and also we talking about Elon forcing people back to work. Um, you know, what in, and, and I guess you started coaching in right before in the pandemic, right? Started going down that path. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, what do you believe the biggest changes are that we are facing in the way we work and what do you believe is here to stay? I think almost overnight, um, when we actually withdrew back into our, our homes, our apartments, working from kitchen tables, we, there were, there were probably a lot of individuals who, who were sort of like, finally we've we've been asking for this flexibility for a for a long while um and i think that the there's there's two two factors that i would highlight i think it showed that productivity doesn't suffer um when you're working from home on the whole it doesn't suffer that you can actually find ways of working people's output in some cases increases Mm -hmm. you know they they're not losing time at the beginning of the end of the day that commute. They're happier because they're spending more time with their families. Um, they're able to control their day a little bit better. And consequently, their productivity is it increases. And I think the other is trust. You know, I, I know from my own experience, I years ago, I was asked to look at a, uh, a working from home program. This is a long time, sort of pre-pandemic, and I really wasn't sure like how someone was going to do their job because of what the nature of what they did, and so you had to kind of say, well, let's just give it a try and see. When we were all forced into this situation of working from home, it showed that with productivity, will with people still delivering, that 
companies trusted their employees. Yeah. And that's those two things, the productivity and the trust, are things that I hope will stay. And I think that's why there was, um, you know, in April 2021, 4 million people resigned in the US. Mm -hmm. you know, it triggered, quote, the great resignation. Correct. Because people had just had enough. They didn't want to work in that way anymore. No. It wasn't that they were leaving for other jobs or more money, I should say. It was because they didn't want to work in that way. Maybe they were being encouraged to come back to the office or it's like nothing had changed. We'd learned nothing. Then, and Yeah, they were clear about want, their happiness. You know, they, I think a lot yeah. of individuals were a lot more like, why am I putting so much time and effort into something that doesn't make me happy? Exactly, exactly. So I think the output of that, I think the... Uh, the we, we really focused on what, as I, I've mentioned a couple of times, what, what was important to us. And those little daily moments of joy are really important. Yeah. Um, and that we can do our job wherever, you know, working from anywhere, whether it's at a coffee shop, at the kitchen table, or back in the office. Mm -hmm. And I think productivity and trust are the two areas that, you know, I, I hope will... Um, continue to be uh, developed and encouraged because I think those are, those, obviously it was a tragic time, but those are some of the positives, I think, of the whole experience of, of working from home. Yeah, good, great. No, uh, thank you. I've, I've, it's it's great to, <laughs> to uh, thanks. It's uh, funny, I haven't had, I haven't really done, this is the first time I've done an interview style for a long time uh, on this podcast. Okay. It's, it's usually more conversations. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, that's, uh, that, 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 <laughs> that's how interviews go. No, I, um, I think it, I know enough. I, we are actually, uh, you know, just, just to be open to, to, to the listeners as well, uh, you know, Neil and me and, and Neil, uh, are, are, Neil will be coaching me in the near future. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, so that's going to be exciting. Um, is there any parting words you'd like to, uh, you, you'd like to, say before we uh we, we we round up and if not that's fine as well no pressure uh, i i always there's three things i would say i was like uh look for those little moments of daily joy mm -hmm. own your shit and win the morning win the day and it was own your shit. You just said, right? See, yeah, you did get you did get a word in you. <laughs> Neil was asking me before we started, can I can, can I use those words? I was like, go ahead. And you just you did it right. You sound like you <laughs> made me sound like some naughty schoolboy. Well, wait, so you got on, it in there. <laughs> it's on my website. It's on my website. Don't worry, I'm not I'm not trying to drop like a naughty word in there. But no, I think it's really important that people take responsibility yeah. for their own actions, yeah, to own yeah. their shit. Exactly. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, in winning the morning and winning the day. Exactly. Start the day as you mean to go on. Exactly. It's a gift and just enjoy it. And if I'm not mistaken, I remember, I believe the first time we ever met was at James and Sandra's apartment watching football. And uh, I believe that was it. It was either World Cup, Euro Cup or your supporting Chelsea, maybe along with James. <gasps> no, okay, then it wasn't that. <laughs> well, James, James supports Chelsea. I, su I support the uh, North London uh, champions, Arsenal, <laughs> who are, well, it's theirs to lose right now with the Premiership. Mm -hmm. um, eight points clear, 
yeah, it's theirs to lose. But yeah, no, I, I support Arsenal. James is always that's one of the things I don't like about James. <laughs> it's such Chelsea it's, affiliation. It's such a religion, huh? With you English, it's yeah. amazing. Like it really is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but he he sticks it to me as well. So you know, fair's fair. Um, but yeah, we I can't remember what it was. But yeah, fo- football's a good way of unifying people and also polarizing people at the same time. Exactly. So, I remember sitting there. Yes, that's, I remember sitting there, probably not supporting any of the teams that was on the TV and was like what is up with these English folk and you know I was just like I was there for the free dinner because James is a good cook <laughs> this is this is something we can agree on James is a very good cook and a very good host exactly and exactly I have to thank him thank you James for introducing or reintroducing uh, you and I <laughs> together and I'm delighted to be going on in transparency going on this coaching journey with you Maurice Perfect. I'm looking forward to it a lot I think uh always intrigued where we're going to head and where we're going to go so exactly and looking forward to that for sure and and thank you very much for for immediately saying yes to this uh, podcast i i was and and um and and i think you know this is that start of the journey so it's really interesting and i hope a lot of others have you know have listened in and and and, and understood that you know there's nothing wrong with getting coached or hearing what others or getting support from others to figure out where your path is. And that's something that I think yeah. for me, this is a first I've never done this before, but I believe, you know, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, you know, there's a, there's a, you only have to do something for the first time once. And I think that, um, again, there's not a stigma attached to coaching. I think there's a, sometimes it has a bit of a bad PR, a bit of a bad rep, but it, it can help. And it's, um, it helps you know, um, unpack limiting beliefs. It helps figure out where you want to go. Um, it's just a really good way of making sure that you are, you know, sounds like a cliche, living your best life. We we only get one life. Let's make it a good one. That's my mantra. And I think that, um, thank you for the invitation. I don't do new year's resolutions. I have a word for 2023, which is uh, curious. Mm-hmm. So when you ask me, would you like, I'm like, I'm curious, I'm going to accept. <laughs> so um, thank you again. And uh, Emma, I hope I've uh, filled your shoes sufficiently <laughs> in the time when you've had a good time on the slopes. And um, yeah. thank you again for uh, for giving me the opportunity to share my thoughts. No. I really appreciate it. Perfect. Thank you very much. And uh, Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, please, 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 you know, check out uh, Neil and uh, Mercury Jam if you need the coaching or support. I, I, I have to do the journey still, but the first conversations I've had with uh, with you, Neil, have been fantastic. So I, I, I hope others will at least, you know, have that initial discussion with you to see how how you can support them. So thank you all for listening. Thank you, Neil and uh, Emma. Looking forward to having you back and telling me about how you went down the slopes as Diana. Thank you.